you're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus. The Pursuit of Christ podcast is a ministry of Arise Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. If you would like to contact us or have questions about our podcast, we can be reached via email at info at arisebaptistchurch.org. Now here's James Collard with today's challenge from Scripture. Well, I'm very excited. Thank you guys so much for joining us again today. Last couple of weeks have been really fun. Uh, we've had uh, Pastor Tim Potter. We've had uh, Pastor Will Cover with us and uh, just talking about disciple making and what that looks like from a theological perspective, what that looks like from a church planting perspective. And today I'm really excited. I've got my friend Donnie O'Pry with us. Um, and so we're going to talk about disciple making at a grassroots level. And so Donnie's, uh, Donnie's a good friend. He's been coming to our church and uh, just really has a passion for this disciple-making process. So, Donnie, thank you so much for, for joining us yeah, today. Man. Thanks for having me. Excited about it. And so, Donnie, if you would, just as we kind of get kicked off today, just tell us a little bit about your salvation testimony and, and how you came to Christ. All right. So, um, I grew up about an hour and a half east here of Houston in a little town called Lumberton, just north of Beaumont. And, uh, man, my testimony is... It's pretty simple. In fact, I used to be embarrassed about my testimony because uh, I would hear testimonies of others how God took them out of some horrendous, tragic sin and situation and picked them up and cleaned them up. And so for us, man, a, a guy from my dad's work invited us to a church in uh, Silsby, and we started attending. And uh, to be honest with you, I hated it because I didn't get to go play on Sundays. But uh, over time, man, I, I grew to appreciate it, and I made friends there, and, and Got to enjoy it, and our church started doing uh, Awanas on a Wednesday, on Wednesday nights. Um, so I was seven when they started. About a year later into it, um, our Awanas commander, Brother Richie Hernandez, gave uh, a gospel presentation to conclude our Wednesday night. Uh, he gave an invitation, and um, I went down front. And Brother Richie, I was the only one who went down that night. Brother Richie pulled me aside with another guy, and. Uh, Got a little more detailed about the gospel, and um, man, that night I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So my testimony isn't what God took me out of; it's what He kept me from. So from the age of eight, um, and I got super involved in in church. Um, I started to preach at seventeen there at the church. Went to the youth group there, camps, preaching camps, teen camps. Um, then I became the youth pastor there <laughs> at, a, at a young age. And uh, so Bible Baptist Church in Silsby has been my life. That's where I've been for 20 years. That's awesome. And where do you, uh, so where do you want to go from here? Like what is your, what is your, your future goal? So Lord willing, I would like to plant at least a church, possibly churches in uh, the Southeast Texas region. So kind of closer to Beaumont. Um, just plant, preferably started off in, in Lumberton, which is my hometown. And um, yeah, just plant some solid Bible-believing churches over there and hopefully reach some people with the gospel. Amen. And and we've talked a little bit, and I know that I know that this concept of disciple-making, so today we're talking disciple-making at the, at the grassroots level. And so did you, just kind of tell me a little bit, growing up, did you, uh, like when did you get excited about this, this prospect of disciple-making in your yeah. own life? So I listened to your podcast on the way over here. And so hearing... Pastor Will and Brother Potter talking about this discipleship and how they explain it and articulate it. 
Uh, not sure why you have me on at all. <laughs> Discuss discipleship. Those guys are so much more knowledgeable about it. So for me, my introduction to discipleship, I actually went to a spiritual leadership conference out on the West Coast in California. And I attended there, I don't know, I was 20, 21 at the time. And honestly, discipleship to me was something I had heard discussed, but never something that I had seen, never something that I had experienced, never something that I, I, I guess I had, a, I had a different interpretation of it. And so I went to leadership conference, and um, even, so that was one of their big things, uh, discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And I left there thinking, that's probably something that I need to get a, a part of. But even then, I still didn't know what that meant. Like, I, I had no clue what that exactly, and so I, I thought I was doing discipleship. And I thought if I can get, of course, I was a youth pastor, so I thought if I can get these young people into Sunday school, into Wednesday night classes, like that to me was discipleship. Like to have them there um, for the youth activities and, and the different things. And if I can just get them there, you know, that'll be my version of discipleship. And so that's what I pursued diligently was to get kids involved in our classes and um, to do it more in a group setting. And it wasn't until I came here. Um, and I attended the discipleship making conference with Pastor Tim Potter, and I heard that, and I realized, oh, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> like I, uh, I, I am not doing this. Uh, and he and he said something in that conference, that, which was two, three years ago. I don't remember exactly when it was. Um, and he said, if it's your model of church, if it's biblical, it should be doable in any culture in any city. And I, I heard that, and I. I sat there in absolute silence throughout that. I didn't say anything throughout that uh, that conference because I, I look back on how I had been doing youth ministry, um, really, and with good intentions. Yeah. But uh, you know, I look back and I didn't have a lot of fruit to show for it. Um, and if you guys, if you guys know Donnie, for him to sit for any period of time and be silent, I mean, there's <laughs> obviously, obviously, the Holy Spirit is working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like, I like to talk, uh, but yeah, th- throughout that experience, so hearing him, I, I went back to the church and I took two of the men from our church and I sat them down and told them we're all wrong. <laughs> like everything we're doing is wrong. We need to change everything. And so we actually sat down and started listening to the the podcast ourselves and uh, re-listening to that conference and slowly kind of began to just practice with, with one another. Um, and we're, I'm actually still in the process of trying to learn this and apply that. Part of the reason I'm here is that I would like to, to see that executed in a more practical way. Because if I'm going to plant a church, um, I mean, I, I want a church that, that's a disciple-making church. Awesome. Well, and then, I mean, that kind of leads really nicely into our next question. So, um, I mean, so obviously here at Arise, I mean, we believe in this disciple-making culture. We believe it's biblical and, and disciple-making is our, our top priority. And all of our other ministries of our church flow out of that disciple-making culture. Yeah. So obviously the challenge is in, in if you're in a church that doesn't have that and doesn't facilitate it and you're trying to start this disciple making life at the grass at the grassroots level, right? So you you are in the pew and you say, Hey, this sounds awesome, but I don't know where to start. So you've got some experience with that. So just kind of talk us through a little bit about what what counsel would you give for somebody that says, I want to get involved in this disciple making life. It's not necessarily facilitated in my church. What do I do? All right, so for one, I would start off just uh, finding people who are actually doing it. Um, so for me, that was why I, I chose to come here to Arise. Um, 
I know you and Billy and, and Pastor Will, like this was a, a huge major part of your church. And so for me, finding people who were actually doing it and participating in it and believed in it, and uh, that I wanted to surround myself with that because this is it's a topic that's so so foreign to me. And I went from a program-driven model of, of ministry where I tried to find the next big activity, the next big event, the next big thing to try to get more kids involved, and um, which is that's an unrealistic view of ministry. And at, and at some point, you're going to burn yourself out. And honestly, I was. I was beginning to burn myself out trying to constantly come up with the next thing, never taking the time to really develop some personal relationships with these young people and instill them, you know, just some you know, how to study the Bible on your own, how to articulate your faith on your own, and how to um, do, do certain things. I was just trying this, this, this uh, an old school model of ministry by, by all accounts. Um, so yeah, if someone's trying to get it started, find the people who are doing it, and then you yourself need to just do it. Um, find someone in your church. Um, for me, I had the two guys in the church that, uh, that I had pulled out, started working with them. And these weren't men who necessarily needed to be discipled, I'm, I wanted to teach them this whole discipleship model themselves, and in turn, I'm learning it myself. So I thought, you know what? If I can get these three guys in, and involved, these other two guys involved in it, uh, and start working through that process of learning how to articulate certain things, and uh, we, you know, we we picked the curriculum. We we're using uh, curriculum from uh, Paul Chapel's church there in uh, California that continue, and uh, then we had another thing that that we were using um, that I had got a long, long time ago, and just sort of working through it, um, trying to encourage each other to do it. And my my first stab at it was was with a guy um, who had moved in with me. And we started working through the books and uh, just going over the you know, basic Bible. This was a, a guy who got made a profession of faith in our church. So that was my first attempt. So, yeah, someone who's just trying to, to get, get started on it, uh, don't be discouraged. Um, by uh, difficulty that comes with con- changing your, it's like rewiring your church, honestly. You know, it, it's rewiring the way you view ministry. And that's not an easy thing to do. For me, it was extremely difficult yeah. um, to say, you know what, man, there's actually a, a more biblical model of ministry than the way that I've been doing for the past 10 years. Like a decade of my life, I've spent doing ministry a certain way. Now, here I am, like, okay, I actually need to change some things. So yeah, don't be discouraged. Find people that you can surround yourself with and then just get started. Don't talk about it. We all talk about how we need to do things and but just just get started. And we talk here, I mean, we talk here a lot at, at Arise too, and I'll just kind of interject this, but um, we talk a lot about it. So the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that's given to all believers. And so we work hard here as a church to facilitate that for our church members. So we encourage people here. We open up. I mean, Sunday morning, we all come together. We worship together. Um, but our, our Sunday evening uh, Bible study times, our Wednesday night services, we make those available to our church people for discipleship because we feel very strongly about this, that this is our chief priority as the, as a church. Um, but if your church doesn't do that, so you don't you don't necessarily have that option, the Great Commission still applies to you, yeah, amen. and the Great Commission is a, is a disciple making commission. So even if even if you're new to this, even if you say, "Hey, my church doesn't have this disciple making culture, but I want to do it," that doesn't excuse us from our responsibility. So, yeah. right, and that's the thing. So it, it's it's a culture. So when when you look at like discipleship for a lot of people, it is a program. It's not a program. This isn't just another thing that you do. This becomes the the foundation of all of your programs. 
but it's the foundation for your church and it's the foundation for you as an individual with your at your for your witness so you know, like when you when you when you think about that for a lot of people they're going to try to implement this new style of ministry uh, or new I'll call it a program I know we've used that word a lot here lately but um, and it's it's beyond that it is understanding that this is such a true biblical way not only to do church but for you to witness and for you to have relationships with people this isn't just something you turn on and off this it is a lifestyle change so for me and and to make that change was to stop looking at ministry as a job for one which is which is a scary thing when you get to that point where ministry becomes a job and you look, you look at people as all right I got to get more kids in my youth group I got to get more people in our church I got I got to fill these pews and look at it from a numeric standpoint and to go from that to okay man this 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 kid this is a soul that I need to invest more than just you know pizza and and, co- and cokes <laughs> into uh, you know to get this kid to come to church I need I need to start li- li- seriously digging in digging into this because um, I had a huge, huge shift. This is probably the, the second biggest shift of philosophy that I've had. When I first took over our youth group, and I've shared this with you this a little bit before, that you know that I I came in with an iron fist, you know, and I came in just really dogmatic, and um, I wanted to do youth ministry different than the way it was done to me. Um, and I just remember, you know, reading through Mark chapter eight, and I think it's towards the end of the chapter, you know. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And had this super, super basic thought, what's the value of a soul? Well, the obvious answer is, it's, it's well, for one, it was worth the life of Christ. Yeah. So with that being said, it's, and it's worth my time. And it's worth my time to, to pursue this diligently, and it's worth my time to study, to prepare, um, and to find every avenue possible to help these young people you know, strengthen their relationship with Christ. And to me, discipleship, why I never came to the conclusion on my own is what's so annoying. Like, why <laughs> why I didn't just have this mindset from from my own teachings. But I guess that's our own bias, our, our upbringing. I mean, there's a lot of things that lead to that. But when it was presented to me, I mean, it was just, it made so much sense. It, it, and, it, and it was, with the way Tim Potter presented it, it was such a biblical format. I mean, here's, here's the Bible to support it. Here's the reasons why we do it. Here's the, the methodology behind it. And it's just like, yeah. I was just mad that I didn't come to the conclusion on my own. <laughs> I think, yeah, when I when I uh, sat through his discipleship conference for the first time too, it, it just it really struck me as well, and it is it is incredible to see. I mean, this morning, um, uh, or, or at, our, at our church service this week, uh, we had um, three people baptized who, mm-hmm. as a result of disciple making and individuals in our church with a, in an evangelistic mindset with a great commission mindset reached out to these families um, been praying for them been ministering to them been investing a ton of time into them these individuals made professions of faith in christ and now they've been baptized um they're part of our church and and they're actively being discipled to grow in grace and that's exciting that's what it's all about that's what it's all about so donnie tell us a little bit so i know we've touched on on some of these things but um what would you say are some of the are some of the challenges in in engaging in discipleship at, at the grassroots level? Um, so, what what were some obstacles that you that you had to overcome? And then, how give us not just what the obstacles were, but then how do you actually work out yeah. over, overcoming those? To the obstacles, yeah. yeah. Um, so, one I already talked about, and that was 
rewiring my own view of ministry, which we've already discussed that. But another one on a more practical level is just time management. Um, you know, I work a full-time job. The guys that I was, but well, we kickstart our, our discipleship, they all work full-time jobs. Um, so just setting the time and then sticking to the time. For one, because it's super easy to say, right, we're going to meet up every Tuesday. Well, you know, well, so-and-so got sick, so we'll meet up next Tuesday. And the next thing you know, well, now i got something to do. And the next thing you know, you've gone a month and you haven't met with one another. So finding a time um, and being flexible with your time, but just make sure you actually pursue it and do it. So learning how to manage your own time, that's going to be a huge obstacle. So what's the solution? <laughs> well, I'm still working on it, man. Uh, still still working on it. But it is it is being diligent and it is being intentional. Like, I, I'm going to make this a part of my everyday week. I'm going to make this a part of my everyday life. Um, and for, you know, some people, like I know some of y'all have people here who disciple multiple people. Man, that, that's, just, that's a lot of moving around. That, that's a lot of flexibility. Uh, and with that will come some sacrifices. You know, you, you won't get to watch, watch as much TV as you may like. You know, you'll, you have to cut a few things out of your, of your daily routine. You know, but it's worth it to invest in someone and to see that person grow. So, yeah, time management, I, I would say, would be a huge obstacle. And then for some churches, I mean, your church might be different depending on who's listening, but you, you, you'd be amazed at the opposition that you may find. Um, again, this comes from rewiring your view of ministry. Um, and so to tell people, look, I, I hate someone share this with me, this view of discipleship, it's not going to be well received by everyone. Why it's not is beyond me. Because for me, when I heard it, man, it was just, you know, it was just an epiphany. But for some people, they're, they're going to fight you on it. Um, but man, if it's, if it's biblical, do it. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the opposition. And uh, man, the Lord will scoot those people out of your way when, when the time comes. And uh, you'll, be, you'll be the better for it. Well, and, and one of the things too is, I mean, when you do when you do disciple making, uh, number one, you open yourself up and you make yourself vulnerable, yep. right? And so you you have to be willing to show some of your faults and some of your flaws to somebody else, <laughs> yeah. which can be a painful experience. And then you're asking somebody else to do that with you. And so then there is that there is that investment of of time and and um, I mean, there is that that level of vulnerability when you're sharing your struggles and you're just walking through life with somebody else and not not everybody wants to do that yeah. not everybody wants to make the sacrifice to do that yeah i think one of the fears of of being the discipler is that you want to make yourself seem more spiritual than you probably actually are <laughs> um and so as you're talking to this this young convert you know and uh you don't want them to look down on you so yeah you you, you do try to word things a little bit different, tweak things a little bit differently. And that's, you know, that's pride getting in the way yeah. of, uh, of that true openness that can be communicated between you and the person you're discipling. So, yeah, that, that, that's a major struggle, um, which pride is a major struggle in a lot of areas, but especially when it comes to discipleship because you, you want to be seen a certain way. Yeah. And tell, tell, I mean, tell us a little bit. Um, uh, oh, man, I just had a question, and it just, like, ran out of my head. Yeah. Uh. Welcome to my world, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but no I was just gonna um, I was just gonna say uh, I just think it's really neat um, how especially here at Arise um, we've engaged in this disciple making process and as more people have gotten engaged in it there seems there's an excitement for it 
and there's a passion for it and and it seems like the when people see that that it works mm-hmm. right not not in the sense that it's a program that like oh man you know but when when people are growing in grace and there's that that spirit and that culture that begins to develop it's a, is it fair is it accurate to say that even when you start that as at, at the grassroots level when you start this process of discipleship and people start to catch a vision for it that they get excited about it and then it can start to spread yeah absolutely no one wants to be a part of something that's dead. <laughs> you know, no one wants to be a part of something that's stagnant. And so, you know, when I when I think about these churches that that seem to oppose this discipleship model, I think, what's it going to hurt? Your church is already dying on the vine anyway. You know, like what you're doing right now isn't working. Yeah. So why why wouldn't you want to you know try this? And if you know it's not some liberal, crazy, far fetched idea. I mean, this is as biblical as it gets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when when you actually implement it. And, you know, those people who were reluctant to it at first, but they begin to see the fruit that comes from it, absolutely you're going to see excitement. And Arise is seeing that in, in huge, huge ways. Like, I, the fact that y'all grew through COVID is mind-boggling to me. I don't, every pastor, every church I've spoken to has done nothing but groan about the trials of COVID. And our church was part of that as well. You know, we, your steady membership you lost, your, your, you know, your giving's gone down and all your ministries got shut down. And for, I mean, for us, for like, especially with young people, you know, if you don't have them constantly, you know, connected, man, man, they'll just go into the wind. You know, so to be here at this church and to see it through this discipleship model, which in my opinion is why you're able to maintain your connections throughout this, this pandemic was because of discipleship and your people continued discipleship that on that one-on-one level and now you're able to see the fruit of that with the baptisms this morning and then with that it's going to get people more excited and those who maybe weren't involved will get involved i mean so there's just this this domino effect that comes from a successful successfully executed ministry and uh, it's awesome it is it is it really gets me neat. excited oh man yeah no it gets pumped i mean to see and to see what the lord is doing and to see to see tra- lives transformed and i i tell I've told you this. I tell my wife this too. That it's it's incredible to be able to come in to our church on a on a Sunday morning and be able to look and say, "Man, that person led that person to Christ, and now that person has led this individual to Christ, and they're actively engaged in the disciple making process." And then they're still in, the the person that that led that that spiritual grandchild to Christ, so to speak, is still being discipled by the individual that initially led them to Christ. And yep. and you can come in and you can start putting these pieces together. And there's active spiritual reproduction happening. And just believe that that's the way that God intended it to be. Absolutely. And then through that relationships, you know, like I think of some churches. There, there's some churches where like the people who sit on the right side don't know the people who sit on the left side of the, of the <laughs> building. You know what I mean? And it's like, man, how do you? How can you call yourself a church? You know, when even the, the the body that's in there doesn't even really know one another, other than they you know they worship together, quote unquote worship together on, on a Sunday morning. And so to be a, you know a part of a church where the membership knows one another, they're actively engaged engaged in one another, um, you know, in their personal lives and uh, just caring about one another. Simple things like that are so rare, which is really sad. Um, but it's it's what makes this church exciting, and I think it's what's what what makes discipleship uh, exciting because that's that's the fruit of it. Amen. No, it is man, it is awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for being willing to, to share and spend some time. I do I do have one more question for <laughs> you. So, um, 
if you ever get a chance to meet Donnie. So Donnie is Texas through and through. And in fact, Donnie, Donnie is, has instructed me on all kinds of, of Texas culture and I appreciate his friendship in that way. But um, yeah, man, Texas, Texas to the core. Tell us if you were coming to visit Texas for the first time, what is one thing that you need to go see? Oh man, where, where do you begin in the great country that is Texas? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, there's just no other place like it, man. But um, outside of a Rise Baptist Church, of course, uh, for for Texas things, you got you got to see the Alamo. Um, the Alamo is to Texas what the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is to the United States. Uh, it is a place where Texas uh, held back Santa Ana and his forces and gave Sam Houston the time to get his army together. Where Texas won its independence, where it became its own country for ten years. Um, so that is that is that is a holy sacred place. Uh, for Texans, and if you can't make your way down uh, to the Alamo, just the the nature that is Texas, like uh, Garner State Park, man, it's it's an oasis out there in, in West Texas, absolutely beautiful. Um, San Jacinto Monument here in, in Houston, if you're here locally, so that's the actual place where Sam Houston defeated the Mexican forces, and uh, the treaty was signed, and um, the surrender was given by Santa Ana. Uh, just yeah, uh, Alamo. I would say just make sure that you check out the parking around the Alamo and you pay the parking fees. Otherwise, they will tow your vehicles. You have some personal experience with that. Yeah, I had some personal experience. Drove a, drove a young kid over there, uh, take him to Bible college. We stopped at the Alamo, which I haven't been to Alamo since I was a little boy. So this is my chance to experience it as an adult. And we were there for two hours, <laughs> which threw off our entire timeline for our trip. But I, as we walked out, I had all my little souvenir bags of all my goodies and stuff I had bought at the Alamo. spent way too much money. And we walked out, and the truck was gone. And I went into full-blown panic mode, thinking the truck was stolen. We're walking around this parking lot, and sure enough, there's a little kiosk over in the corner uh, where you pay your two or three bucks, whatever it was, for your parking pass that we did not pay. For I could go on for a lot of reasons of why we didn't pay, <laughs> but that giant sign said public parking, public parking, and yeah, our vehicle was towed uh, just a couple blocks down the road, and much to my dismay, cost us a bunch of money. I nearly lost my my testimony, <laughs> and uh, luckily there was a teenage boy there to keep me under control because I was about to snap off on these <laughs> these tow truck companies and. Yeah, so just make sure when you go to the Alamo that you pay your two, three dollar parking fee, which ought to be illegal in the state of Texas to have to pay to go park at the Alamo. But nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, go go check out the Alamo. Oh man! So we hope if if you're listening from out of state, we hope that you'll come and join us here at Arise, and and we can make sure that you get over to to visit some of these Texas monuments. And I know Donnie's always happy to talk Texas yep, with anybody absolutely. who comes. So. Well, Donnie, thank you so much. I'm, your, your excitement and your passion for discipleship, especially at the grassroots level, um, I think it's exciting for us. Um, and uh, as, we've seen, as we've seen this really take hold in our church and our people have caught a vision for it and gotten on board with it, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing. And we just want to share this, uh, share our excitement and our passion for discipleship um, just with everybody that listens. And so thank you so much for coming Amen. and be a Appreciate part of that today. So. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you'll uh, be back and join us again next week. We'll have another good episode for you. And so thank you so much. Have a great week, and God bless.